Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let the train! You are listening to Wide the Truck. Are you ready to trek? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner on this Monday. First show in a post-Yellow World. Big news over the weekend, and fittingly, I was watching like a nine-saw movie marathon as, as all this stuff was coming out. I got a text from my buddy, Beetle Bailey. He was over at their Irvine, uh, Irvine Texas terminal. Show, show this picture right here. He took that picture. here. This sign, you saw it in the Freight Waves article when the announcement came out yesterday. It's been posted everywhere. It says, Dear Valued Customers and Employees, All Company Operations has ceased as of Sunday, July 30th, 2023 at noon Eastern Time. For union employee-related concerns, please contact your union representative. For customer-related concerns, please call 800-610-6500. You might need that number today as the company is going bankrupt and the filing is coming today. And the drivers there know it. They were having a good time on Saturday night. I think they knew it was their last night on the block. Roll this tape. They've got the Australian six train going on here. Just hooking after hooking after hooking. There was some guy in my concert. That's taxpayer-funded stuff. Guy, let them ride it out. Let them enjoy it. Yeah. Guys, can I get my clock, too? Thanks. Um, the epitaph may have been written about a month ago, though. Sean M. Ryan, Teamster Leader, he tweeted this out. He said, if do nothing, Darren continues, he will single-handedly destroy a once honorable company. Resign now. Our members are done making bad investments. He posted a picture of that tombstone. This is on June 24th. A month later, the company is in the predicament they are going bankrupt. What, a lot of people have been asking, what happens now? Like, what happens to this company? What happens to all of the equipment? Well, on Saturday, they're already staging it for auction. Done right, 40. He sent in this clip. Line, so they're starting to move all the tractors. All the tractors, that's all the light hall. They shut down light hall completely. So I guess that's what the auction will be come Monday when they put the chain on the gate. So um, <laughs> that's it. Yellow is done. Will this help the freight market? Another question a lot of people have been having. Right? We do get a little self-serving once in a while here, but will it? Well, ArcBest, I told you on Friday, they already reported a 10% jump in freight rates, I mean, in freight volumes over the past week as people were already diverting freight massively. In fact, if you read uh, a paper like Transport Tomics, you might get a completely different picture of this. They quoted uh, Dr. Jason Miller, this guy. I don't, I've never seen him ever be right about the freight industry. That's just my opinion. And in the article, he's like, yeah, the past two weeks killed yellow and everyone pulled their freight. Dude, I was in June, for example, I was talking to executives at the Future Supply Chain. Multiple ones there said the downward spiral had already started. The plans were in motion to pull the freight. This is a beleaguered company that's been in trouble for years. It's not something that just happened in the past two weeks. Who's going to benefit, though? The street thinks that SIA, ODFL, and XBO benefit 
the most from this. Who doesn't benefit? 30,000 employees don't benefit. 22,000 union members don't benefit as they're now looking for work. I've reached out to you, the community. I've asked if anybody has jobs or positions. A few people have gotten back to me. David Stone at Ryder, he says, Ryder System is always looking for great talent. I've had a few already reach out, but if anyone else was affected, please reach out. Lucas, Slo- Lucas Slowick, he says, Hello, I work for MRS, a Wisconsin-based full 3PL company. We are hiring drivers in the Tennessee area. I was listening to your podcast and heard you wanted to find these amazing drivers opportunities, so I wanted to share ours. Hopefully it helps. Have a good day. And Paul Bundy says, Our company is Cardinal Logistics Management, main offices in Card." Concord, North Carolina. We have terminals all over for different contacts, though, and different contracts. We are not a union, but I hate how these players were done wrong. I would be happy to have a home for any of you. So you get Paul Bundy over uh, in Concord at Cardinal Logistics. We got Lucas Slowick over at MRS, and we got David Stone over at Ryder. You guys got jobs for these people? Let me know. I'll get it out there for you. Um, Something to be optimistic about before we get into guests today, though. Zach Strickland, he had his chart over the week. This got a little bit buried with all the drama going on with Yellow. But he says the National Outbound Tender Volume Index, a measure of the electronic request for truckload capacity from shipper to carrier, is up nearly 7% versus month-ago levels. This is a complete break from tradition, excluding the pandemic-fueled rise in 2020. So we got an anomaly to watch out here for here. This could put some pressure on rates. The problem is it hasn't really yet. It says uh, the bad news here, we're not seeing the pressure rates. The jump in July demand has had no impact on tender rejection rates or the spot market. Capacity remains abundant and capable of handling the unseasonable surge for the most part. Rates sit like sediment at 229 in the bottom of this sea of capacity. But just this morning, Kyle Taylor, he had a little bit more positive spin to put on this. He said forecasts for spot market rates are expected to rise 7 cents per mile or 3% over the next 28 days. It's nothing, but at least it ain't going down, right? At least it's not going down. Stephen Webster, he puts some reality to this as we talk about the largest trucking company ever to declare bankruptcy. He says rates are 7 to 10% below what is needed to pay 25 U.S. or 32 Canadian hour plus medical and paid sick days and run safe, well-maintained trucks. Dangerous, man. He says over 5,000 trucks have, shut, have been uh, shut down in the past 16 months. I think that was more like 500,000. It, it was a huge number. Surplus truck drivers in Canada. Oh, he's just talking about Canada. The surplus drivers over 10,000 just sitting around in Canada. Yeah, what driver shortage? Destroy that narrative this year, have we not? Anyways, on today's show, we got a lot to get into. Here's the rundown. Can import save a sagging truckload market? Uh, Marine Traffic's Adil Ashik, he went from ship captain to techie, and he's here to tell us what is and isn't coming out of the water this peak season. Use some Calvary. Owner-operator Michael Lombard, he's as passionate about health, healthy drivers as he is a healthy market. Look at his unique take on what went down at Yellow. A new scam going on that you have to look out for, DOT number jackings. How to stop double brokering and the key to perfect parking. We've rated plenty of strap work on this show. But what's the key to proper load securement? Anderson Trucking Services' Robert Powell, new father himself, is a strap master, and he's here to show us how it's done. Plus, we got Cardi B having some great aim, a uh, drone versus truck, teach your kid to shift to Peterbilt, and a lot more. So let's tip the band, and then we'll talk to some guests. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free, up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T. Dot com. All right, it's Robert Powell, Strapware King, Anderson Trucking. Robert, you look great, man. Where are you sitting today? Dona, what's up? I am in Houston, Texas at the moment. I love the beard. It's, it's fantastic. You're not like a full <laughs> Justin Martin, but you look like you could be a cousin of Justin Martin, our social guy. <laughs> you look a lot drier 
from the last show you did with the ice challenge. You know what? I get to I get to dump a bucket of that on a truckload executive at the end of the show, Matt, Matt McClellan from Covenant. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Hey, we still got you there. Oh, there you go. So we lost your video for a second. Yep. Hey, first of all, I want to congratulate you and your family. You've added another addition to your family. Congratulations on the new baby. Thank you, thank you. We uh we actually have a clip. You got to see. Not all dispatchers are bad. You got You got a gift from somebody. Roll the tape. What is up, everybody? <laughs> I'm back here at the corporate office just for a quick visit. Um, I had to go see my dispatcher. She said that she needed to give me a gift for my son, a baby gift. And I was expecting, like, you know, an outfit or a onesie or, or something. Beard trimmer? Uh, she wanted to tell me yesterday. <laughs> but I was like, no, Morgan, don't, don't tell me. Don't ruin a surprise. I don't like surprises to be ruined. So, I mean, I know what it is, but... I think I think it's the cutest shit ever. A dumbbell. Oh. Y'all know I like working out. So here's <laughs> here's a dumbbell. I think it's cute. Yep. I was not expecting a dumbbell. So yeah, thank you, Morgan, for giving this to me. I know you're not on LinkedIn, but you know people can tell you. But uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Robert. Before we get into right. before we get into straps and all that, what's your best tip for for trucking dads and moms out there? You, I think this is child number five for you, so you've had a little experience. <laughs> patience, patience. That's all I can say is have some patience and listen to the wife. So, yeah, yep. ha- happy wife, happy life. I know it's in a lot of commercials and it's an old adage, but it's an old adage for a reason. Hmm. What do you what do you get into over there at Anderson Truck? And let's let's introduce you a little bit to this audience. Uh, today I'm currently waiting on a PM to do today. Uh, oil change the whole nine yards. Uh, then I pick up tomorrow and I'll head to Nebraska. Um, so just one of those days is waiting around for my truck to get done. Yeah. Well, you're you're and what kind of truck are you doing? You're doing flatbeds, right? You're strapping things down. You know all about load securement. Yeah, over here in this company, we have what's called a specialized side. Uh, we've got flatbeds, step decks, RGNs, multi-triaxle trailers. Um, anything we can fit on an open deck trailer, we'll haul it. Oh, we're looking at some of it right now. Tell, like, Speak to these videos a little bit. I have, I have a couple of them here. It's going to take about a minute. Tell us what we're looking at. Uh, that is a cab structure that I picked up in Decatur, Illinois. If you see those big mining vehicles um this is actually for the new electric mining vehicles that hauls those massive massive dirts when you are hauling loads that big what do you have to be mindful of what's what's the key to all this because anyone who follows me they see like the horrible side of load securement it's very rare i post like a good once in a while i'll post a good strap work i try not to make them all look terrible but a lot of them look awful robert uh, the key thing about any type of strap work is, first off, is this is the the book, the Bible book for us truckers. Um, this is just a basic for us to know. But with experience and time, you you get better. Uh, I see a lot of drivers and anywhere in the world that just buys a truck, gets a flatbed, and buys straps, and they think they know what they're doing, but they don't. Um, the key thing for me that I always try to remember is when I get any type of load, 
I pretend that my wife and my kids are following behind me. And I don't want nothing coming off to endanger anybody on the roads that I travel on. So how do you how do you get it done? Like you mentioned the book here, you know, whenever I put these up, they're like, hey, this is missing uh, chains or this is missing a strap here or this is missing uh, there. What, what are the guidelines that, sh- that you follow, especially with something like this? Uh, well, I go back to uh, the old school safety regulations that I see and it. In this Bible, the trucker Bible, it talks about strap works, chain works, how many straps you'll need. The list goes on and on. Um, it can vary from load to load, really. What's the worst you've seen out there? And, and what do you like when you're driving around? You have to be looking at this stuff all the time, right? Other drivers and how they get their load secured. The, the worst I've seen is a coil. I'm not sure if you know what a coil is, but it's just a big aluminum uh, item. I picked up one in Portage, Indiana, like four or five years ago. And I'm not going to name the truck company, but they were rolling with me towards the Carolinas. And we were going down a hill. And when you're going down a hill, of no matter how much you weigh, you have to go down in a lower gear. And they were also having a coil on their trailer and traffic cuts in front of him. He hits the brake really hard and that coil comes off the trailer and comes rolling forward towards the driver. Driver survived, but it was it was a nasty accident. It was about a 40,000 pound piece of ball coming at you. Headache rack's not going to save you. Those are kind of controversial. You got an opinion on those? Headache racks, um, I see a lot of people saying your trailer needs a headache rack. It's not going to stop anything. Once an object's in motion, it's not going to stop until it stops itself. But they do tend to have a sense of security, I guess you can say. But uh, if you over-secure something and you drive properly, then you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Well, what, you know, you're, you're a driver ambassador over there, so part of your job is to also, you know, get other r- drivers interested in it. Why would someone become, you know, it looks like a lot of work that you guys do out there. That looks like hard work. That doesn't look like I'm just sitting in my truck with some lumper, grabs all the crap out of the back, and then I drive off while complaining about how long I waited for. This looks like you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, flatbed is, in my opinion, one of the hardest industry sides of the trucking world. You got to get out here in the rain, sleet, snow, or ice. Right now, it's 115 degrees in Texas. Um, Like this morning, I unloaded in the port, and it was a total of maybe two hours worth of work just unchaining everything down and getting ready to unload. Now, the load that I dropped off this morning from Decatur, Illinois, that took took about four hours to get ready to rock and roll. Now, you mentioned 115 degrees. It's, it's really hot. People have been talking about workers having to be outside during this uh, extreme heat wave we had all throughout July. What, what is your like, protocol there to make sure you don't just drop dead while we'll, we'll strapping one of these things? <laughs> um, when I first wake up in the morning, I, take, I drink two bottles of water, which is, uh, I think, four cups of water straight away. And I also take creatine. Um, people have mixed reviews about creatine, but I take creatine every morning and I drink two bottles of water straight off the bat. And I usually drink about a gallon, a gallon and a half of water, depending on where I'm at. Creatine can dry, can, can, um, can dry you out a little bit too, if I, if I understand correctly. 
It can, but it also retains water in your muscles, and that's what your, your muscles need water to build and grow, and creatine helps with that. You got any tips for staying fit on, on the road? Uh, stay away from fast food. I eat chicken and rice every single day, chicken unless pizza's around. Smart move. Smart move. Are all straps created? Are all straps created equal? Do you have a, a favorite brand? Is a generic just fine? What do you throw on there? I don't really have a, a generic brand or a favorite brand. Um, as long as the working low limit strap rating is adequate for the size of the strap, we have chain straps and they're rated for 6,600 pounds, and that's what I love to use because that's also the same for the 3H chains that we have is 6,600 pounds. And Robert, I got to ask, you just put out a video on trip planning, route planning, someone like you pulling these big, heavy goods. You got to be very mindful of that stuff. You don't want to strike a bridge. You don't want to end up on what the truck's social media. What's the key to proper trip planning? Man, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. It, uh, it's time consuming. You can't be in a rush. You just can't plug in the address that you're going to and expect the GPS to take you there, especially when you've got a 13 foot wide load or any load at that matter. Um, you got to take each state one at a time. You can't worry about two states later when you haven't even left the original state and you're just going to have to break down. I do every, every three hours. That's what I break my route down and then I pull over and I continue routing again, weather, traffic, construction, um, bridges. It, it's a whole nine yards. You got to do the work and you got to be, you got to be proactive and active at the same time when you're driving. You can't just set a plan three weeks in advance and then use that as your map and run for it. No, you cannot. No. Robert, really enjoyed talking to you. People who want to secure their loads, man, they want the master of straps holding it down. Where do I send them to? You can send them to my YouTube channel, um, and if they can reach out to me or on LinkedIn, they can reach out to me, and we can talk. Excellent, Robert. Thank you. Hey, man, congratulations to you and the family and uh, that, that great brood that you're building over there. Thank you, Dooner. Take care, everybody. All right. Meanwhile... It's a good aim by Cardi B right there. Now, she's got to be careful, though. So she just threw a micro. Someone threw a drink at her. She threw a microphone off that person's face. Now, I remember when I was a kid, I was in, like, fifth grade, and Sebastian Bach, he was in, like, he was at a concert in Springfield, Massachusetts, and someone threw a beer bottle at him, and then he took the beer bottle, and he threw it back in the audience, and he hit the wrong person. He hit some girl, and he smashed it all over her face, and he, like, he was fighting that legal case for, like, a decade. So Cardi B, I just got to say, you know, Sometimes you get angry up there. You got to be careful, though. You don't want to be uh, the next Sebastian Bach. We got here. It's Mike Lombard sitting in his truck too. Let's bring another trucker up who's just sitting in there, sitting there. You got you got us pumped up last week. A lot of people, Mike, they've been referencing that video. They've been referencing those drops about being a real driver and running the streets of uh, <laughs> running the streets of America. I love it, man. I really appreciate you sharing that message. It's true. It's true to the job. You know, people. You know, like to think, oh, you know, just a truck driver, just a driver. There's a lot more that goes to your resume as a human being. Uh, you know, when you're a truck driver, you're tr you're truly a student of life. The people you meet uh, coast to coast, border to border, as I said in the video, is really second to none. You're meeting the people who are actually keeping the country running. It's they're they're the most essential people on on the planet. The ones who are at the docks, the longshoremen, the warehouse workers. 
you name it. I mean, those even down to the servers, like the woman at the Oasis Travel Plaza of 44. I mean, she's keeping people like us fed and stuff like that. So it's, it's awesome. That stuff just comes to me, you know? You know, I was trying to get an answer from uh, Mac Lovin on Friday to this question. He's been coast to coast. He's been border to border. He's been rest stop to rest stop. So I want to know if he'd ever milked a cat. And then all of a sudden he had technical difficulties. Have you, have you ever milked a cat, Mike? Uh, I haven't. Not yet. <laughs> no. no. Have you ever milked yellow? What's, what's your, what are your thoughts on yellow? Let's start there. Yeah, man, yellow. Talk talk about drama. And just uh, before we get into yellow, let yeah. let yellow's demise be a lesson to anybody out there who is thinking about taking a risk or starting a business or t- uh, getting a new job or trying something new. Yellow's a ninety nine year old company. They failed, so you have nothing to fear. Uh, you know, if they anybody can fail, failures are just the notches on the belt of success. So don't let so let yellow's failure remind you. Okay, I, I don't have anything to lose. They, they failed too, this prestigious company. But, you know, I was covering Yellow all uh, all week, all that week on my show as well, uh, because I was waiting for a load to get out of the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a lot, everybody who I interacted with on it was saying, I, I saw, you know, uh, our friends over at Blue Ribbon Logistics, I called this in 1998. And, you know, everybody said that they've been calling this, they've been calling this. And it's just, it's been in the back of everybody's mind and now it's come. But this is just... This is the price that Yellow paid for trying to, you know, they tried to become too big to fail. Uh, And unfortunately, when you are working with with unions, you can't just go up and try and buy up and consolidate all these uh, regional LTL carriers like they did without opening up the collective bargaining. You know, they wanted to change things around. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Do stories like this make you thankful you selected the owner operator life? Um. Yes, yes, and no. Uh, only because I, I. What's crazy about the difference between being an owner operator and driving for a company like Yellow is it's almost two different career paths. You know, dealing with owning a truck and running a business and doing full truckload. Like the 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 workload is way different. The scheduling's way different. The pay is way different. So I, you know, when it comes to trucking, it's not one size fits all. Am I? glad to still be able to have a job and continue working yes however for i mean the overall labor movement in trucking i mean those drivers are out of a job uh i i I feel bad for them in a sense that in some places they're going to try to go that ltl experience might not carry over to other companies that would have the more competitive wages and benefits they're looking for there's a lot of companies out there who don't view local driving or LTL work as quote the OTR experience that that they're always looking for. So I, I feel for them in their in their future job searches. Yeah, I mean, with the situation that they're in right now, right? Do you think the ATA revises their driver shortage number from sixty thousand from eighty thousand to like sixty thousand? We have twenty thousand drivers back out, you know, in the market looking for a new job. Oh, no, the ATA will never change those numbers. The numbers can only go up for, from here for the ATA. Those 20 drivers don't don't count. They need to keep that money money churn go, going into their subsidized CDL mills. But there are $20,000 looking for a job. How? But does it add to the – because the truth of the driver shortage narrative is it's now short. It's, it's turnover. And how many of those 20,000 drivers are going to leave the industry altogether is the more important question because you now have – qualified CDL drivers who can go right back into work. And many are going to choose to retire or choose a different line of work because the bad taste has been in their mouths. And clearly from 
just going off TikTok, a lot of these drivers seemed more loyal to the union overall and didn't like the management uh, of Yellow. So these guys may be more loyal to 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 the union and say, well, you know, I, I don't want to be a part of any of these big companies anymore. I'm just going to leave the industry. And there's your shortage once again. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there was especially with the union talk, a lot of rhetoric, a lot of talking big. But ultimately, we come here Monday, and the reality is, thirty thousand people are out of work. Do you think any of them kind of regret, you know, be, not not being more involved or, or trying to come to a resolution? Or, I mean, the truth of Yellow too, though, is this was a company that's been in trouble for a long time. Like they were only still here because they got that CARES Act loan in 2020 of 700 million. That kept the, some gas in the tank, but they've been sputtering out and ready to die for a while. Yeah, they, Yellow is definitely living on borrowed time. They were running on fumes. And, you know, Justin Martin and I talked a lot about the, the drama over there at Yellow. And when it comes to unions in the United States, and I, like I said, I'm a product of, of the Teamsters myself, the original Lombard being a Teamster affiliate. So I'm always more s- sympathetic towards unions, but the, I don't have an altruistic view of unions. Unions, I think, in the United States do um, drag their feet on a lot of things. Uh, in some ways, was yellow all that bad for wanting to do the one yellow initiative? Yeah. Probably not. In a business sense, that makes the most sense to consolidate and change things around. And companies free of union uh, labor uh, can can execute that that movement a little bit easier. Uh, unfortunately, it's not not how it works. So, I mean, but when it comes to the overall talent, I mean, Justin's mentioned this with the with the Postal Service and there's so many other union jobs out there that are very much. Uh, if you work in a union, it's just your job. You don't deviate outside of it. You know, when it comes to doing e- extra or it comes to doing less, like it's just the same. So, I mean, it's the people who didn't see the writing on the wall in, in a way that, that they are, you know, I don't like to say, I don't like to victim blame here, but, you, you know, you should read the writing on the wall and, and kind of get outside your echo chamber of the union and realize the the, the bigger picture of things. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Well, you know, there's a lot of drivers though, and people like you inspire people. You're you're not you're not trying to gatekeep new drivers out of the industry or anything like that, right, Mike? No, absolutely not. They, they, I think this industry is one of the uh, best. You know, I think one of the best parts about the trucking industry is its arms are open to everyone and to anyone. You know, it, it, from all walks of life. I, I think gatekeeping people out of the industry is not a good idea. You definitely want it to be welcoming to to everybody from all walks of life. It's been a second chance for a lot of people at redemption, whether it be career change or coming back from, a, you know, any possible, even possible felonies, stuff like that. It's been a great recovery story. Trucking, I feel as though, has been a great story for a lot of people to make a comeback in their life. So gatekeeping new drivers out of the industry, no, but at the same time, when it comes to new drivers entering the industry, we do need to change how these drivers are entering the, entering the industry, with in, either in the form of graduated licensing or, you know, changing up the model of starting off local, then moving over the road. I think that new drivers ent- entering the industry deserve better. I, I would agree. Let's help them out a little bit. You know, our friends at Truck Parking Club, Evan, he sent over this great video of this driver parking in here. It looked like a tight spot, but you are an expert at this. You rate this this truck parking. What are we looking at here? This, this looks like a tight turn, but you've been in the truck. Yeah, I, Western Flyer, Flyer Express, we, we don't want to get started on them. They got some drama going on. I'm not sure if you've covered on this show, but... Not yet. You well, know, what's, I'm, what's up? <laughs> well, I, I have heard through the grapevine... That, uh, you know, that Western Fly Express drivers have possibly been had with pay withheld. But what I can say about this parking job is the diagonal parking lots 
are are tough. I'm not gonna lie. It is a it is a total mo- like mind twist because you know w- when it comes to spots that are just like yeah these diagonal parking spots right here they are tough because they're a they create almost like optical illusions. So I'd say this guy doesn't do a, a bad job at all. You know you you know pull up. You're in a parking lot. You're not on a CDL test here. Use the pull ups and he gets and he gets in okay. And he's even in a tougher spot because he's got a hot shot guy next to him. And sometimes it's hard to see the pickup trucks. But I mean. He ends up, yeah, he ends up doing fine. But I could tell you from experience, those diagonal spots really, really mess with you. And they're, they're harder than they appear. How are you making sure? Because this is what would like trip me up, and I bet it does every new driver, is when you have to do that first sort of pull-in, you can't really see the edge of your trailer and where it is in relation to that hot shot truck. Yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta get out. I mean, credit to this guy. Obviously, he's, he's been driving. He's definitely been driving longer than a year. I, I can t- I can tell you that much. But in that case, I mean, always get out and look. I've gotten out and looked four or five times, uh, especially in my first year of driving. You just do it. You're going to get honked at. You're going to get looked at. But that's that's what I would do is get out and look. Even I still get out and look, uh, depending on what I'm at. And even with a flatbed trailer or RGN, where I've got a huge combine on here, you got to get out and look because sometimes I'm wide. But that's that's what you got to do, especially if there's a, a pickup truck or a box truck next to you. Now, when you're when you have to drive a four wheeler, are you a, are you a pull in guy or a back in guy? I'm a pull through guy. Ooh, that's the move. I'm all about the pull. <laughs> I'm all about the pull through. Just like just like truck parking, you know, you, it's always a good day at the end of, at the end of a driving shift when you can find the parking spot. You could just pull pull straight through, so that way you don't have to do any backing. But yeah, when I get when I go shopping, grocery shopping, I'm all about pulling through the spot. Yeah, well, I, I pull the audience too. I mean, we got a lot of truck drivers like in the community that we have, but it was like what seventy eight percent said that they're definitely backings. But if you go in a parking lot, that's not like the case. You know, like one out of every uh, ten mi- cars. I misread this uh, poll because I voted for back in too, and I thought you were talking about actual semi trucks. Yeah, because I, I I remember I made a video calling out uh, truckers who pull into parking spots as like be, quote being lazy, and of course I ended up. Uh, you know, and the only exception to the rule would be if you drive a reefer pulling in, you're giving a courtesy. But I ended up paying the price for making that TikTok video because I was uh, backed into back in back in May, uh, and I was not pulled into it to a, a parking oh, spot. What a pain in the ass, Mike! You know the the freight bandit he put out a question, and it actually got some really interesting answers. And since you're kind of an unconventional guy, I want to see if you agree with some of these responses. It said, "Fill in the blank." Truck drivers are tricky. Mike, he said, can break your idea of what a single person can do. We aren't toothless, stinky, dirty, or uneducated most of the time. Agree? Agree. <laughs> Dad, right, new trucker Mike. Yeah, way to go. You think it's, all right? Dad of two roadside says, not always great business owners. Very true. Adam Wingfield's always yelling about that. It, it is true, especially on the business owning sense. I, I think there's a, and what's, you can kind of dive deeper into that. And it's that there's this misconception that the only upward mobility in the trucking industry is to uh, own your own truck. But and for the same reasons that your friends in other industries don't own their own tech businesses, don't own their own, you know, uh, car dealerships, don't own XYZ. Not everyone's set, set out to be a business owner. And as a guy who's you know cur- currently in his truck, I'll tell you what, I, I envy that of company drivers right now many, many times. Ranger 71 says, I haven't met many drivers that don't love a good conspiracy theory. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? 
Uh, well, some of them I don't consp- consider theories anymore. Yeah. You know, like li- like the the uh, coup against the democratically elected president John F. Kennedy. Uh, that's that's really no longer conspiracy. But I'm a big fan of Titanic being an inside job. Ooh. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a, there's a couple good ones I dive into. A mattress firm being a money laundering front is one that I've kind of di- di- you know dived into pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm trying, I, I'm trying to think of any top. I'm trying to think of any more off the off the top of my head. Um, I have like I think that truck stop prophylactives, like the kind that you buy with coins in the machine in the men's room, those those don't actually work. Oh, the uh, you're talking about the. Uh, like the colognes and stuff you can and, no like uh, a truck oh, stop condom like i wouldn't trust it oh you'd think that possibly they've been just like past their expiration date yeah i think they're they're trying to increase the fertility in america with those yeah i remember i had a guy you know at it was at a ta in missouri and i was getting in a workout i was literally in the middle of kettlebell swings guy comes over he starts asking about my equipment and then he told me his whole life story and then he eventually and then he told me about how he used to be religious, but he's not anymore because he found out aliens were real. And he talked about like how he knows about one specific alien civilization that essentially is running the simulation that we're currently living in. And yeah, that was like 90 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. I mean, maybe Jesus was an alien and this is where he, got, he brought his Gospels first. So that's why you don't hear about the other aliens. I mean, like, I don't think it completely discounts it, but I, you know, I, I, I guess you could see. How about Sage Outcast? He says, in need of training on how the whole logistics systems work with supply and demand. I talked to a lot of truckers. I would agree with Sage on this. I think that a lot of times drivers can put blinders on and all they, like, a lot of, all they think about is what they're pulling behind them. But there, there's a huge scope to what goes on in supply chain. Yeah, I've, I actually made a uh, TikTok video about this, one of my running videos a, cu- a couple months ago, and it was about how as as drivers, you know, like I mentioned with the upward mobility, sometimes in trucking, you don't need to be a driver for your whole career. Logistics is a huge industry. There's no reason why the CDL can't be the stepping stone. But if you are behind the wheel of a truck, learn about what your dispatcher does. Learn about what your customer service department does, like, as in the carrier you work for. Like, what are they doing? Ask questions of every job, uh, of every job t- title at your company or at your carrier. Figure out what they do. You know, there is unlimited information about the job of freight brokers on YouTube, on LinkedIn, anywhere. Connect with these people. You can do all this on your own. You know, this isn't like, you know, this is the real world. It's not school. You know, you're not in college anymore. You've got to go out and seek this information. And a lot of it's out there for free. People are giving the game out there. So learn what brokers do. Learn about what's going on at 3PLs. Learn about every job at your carrier, because that could also be your, your career growth. That could be your advancement. And when you know that, and when you and when you have these conversations, when you learn this stuff, it only makes you sharper and just you know, that much better of a driver. When you have more of an idea of knowing, you know, knowing your 360, knowing everything that's going on and figuring out. And it also just makes you, when you know that person's job, it makes you irreplaceable. You're almost defending, you're, you're almost defending your job at that point when you become more knowledgeable than, you know, the other people around you. So I, I'm inclined to agree with that too. Now, good business is doing a little market research. You're a driver. I have a product for you. A lot of drivers, they hate flip-flops, right? They don't like them aesthetically, but they also think they say they're dangerous. Things could fall on your feet. It could be bad. So I have a solution. It's 115 degrees out. What about steel-toed flip-flops? You think this could work? This is the free market at work right here. You can't, I mean, this is just, this is capitalism at its finest. You, you can't beat it. <laughs> you know, the trucking industry sees an issue 
with the Nike slide wearing, uh, you know, type truckers and the market provides right here. Uh, th there you go. Problem solved. Uh, comfort meets safety all in one. Very, yeah, I, I agree. I think we get we got to start getting these things printed. We'll make some prototypes. We'll put them out. I'll hire you as an influencer. You can walk around the truck stops in them. People will see them on your feet. They'll buy a please advice hat and they'll buy some uh, steel toed flip flops. <laughs> It'll work out great. Now, I got before I let you go. I want I just read this report from Landline and I want to know if you've heard of it too. It's a new scam out there. Just want to put it on some drivers' radars. It's a DOT number jacking scam, and it said scammers are exploiting a recent temporary adjustment made by the FMCSA. For carriers updating their MCS 150 via the manual form, how does it work? Scammers will request a copy of a driver's CDL, and then they're going to use that CDL to change the MCS 150 information. Then they hijack your DOT number. Any experience yet? No experience on my end, but I can tell you that, I mean, see, the trucking industry is not safe from these sort of uh, from these sort of scams. Now, they used to be, but the rise of technology, I think, has played a part in this. Now, you know, my wife works for a tech company and they get emails about phishing scams all the time because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a basic common phishing scam. Uh, this happens to a lot of companies. This happens even in our own government. And now it's finally catching up with the trucking industry. I mean, we saw what happened with the last year. There was a tractor trailer of uh, immigrants who, had, who was found in San Antonio. And the, the reason the truck was able to do what it did is because it, it was a ghost. It was a carbon copy of somebody else's DOT number. You know, they they were able to uh, they studied trucks coming uh, across the border, you know, and got but got the same make and model truck and used the DOT number and same company. Now, it, with uh, the you know, the border being in more enforced and things being a little bit harder, they've gone into the. The technology scheme, the technology part of things, and all of these companies now, every single uh, freight event you go to, you know, even at the Mid America Truck Show, but every event that's going on, the tech world is doing everything to get involved in logistics, and this is going to be a byproduct of that. Now, like I said, I'm not saying that updating TMS systems or you know the use of certain technology to maybe streamline information is a bad thing, but this is going to be a byproduct of it when this technology goes unchecked you know in, into the industry is there's going to be bad players who are going to come a part of it and this this is why people like gface have been able to get away with double brokering you know with the advancement of load boards and with and with it being so easy to get in and out and to get this information from motor carriers who are moving billions of dollars of freight uh, throughout the year you know th or throughout the year you know if this technology goes unchecked and unfettered this is going to be the byproduct of it Mike, great stuff with you as always. People who want to hear your show, they want to connect with, with you. Where do I send them to? Hey, you can always uh, find me anywhere, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Lombard Trucking. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, just the Lombard Trucking Show. And as always, if you're ever interested in making that change, taking the jump, uh, you know, becoming the best possible version of yourself, I do work as an advisor on the First Form Health and Fitness app and where you can get a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with me. Dooner, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you guys uh, a lot having me on, and I hope everybody out there stays safe. Hey, take care, little cowbell for you, sir. Drive safe out there on the road. All right, everybody. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Deliver Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to 300 bucks. Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T.com. Elsewhere. Got the volume on this? This is a mom teaching her kid how to shift. 
Like, I don't know if this is 100% safe, but it's definitely pretty cool. So I'm going to allow it. I'm not the DOT. Got to teach them young, man. Got to get more people, more people in these blue-collar fields. If you take your kids to work in logistics and you got a good video, send it to me. Always happy to highlight that stuff. But he's clocking it. He's moving right through those gears like a pro. Good stuff. All right, let's drop it down. We got a captain. We got a captain in the house. It is Captain Elias Sheik. He's over at Marine Traffic. What is up, sir? Where are you coming in from? Having me. I'm uh, coming in from Los Angeles. Wow. What? So I said captain. I, I, I introduced you as a captain. You don't look like you're on a ship right now, though. What kind of vessels have you sailed before? Oh, man. I have... So I'm an academy guy. So I went to the Maritime Academy. I came up with the Coast Guard license for a deck officer. And I've been on pretty much every vessel except the cruise ship. I despise a cruise ship. I don't think I can ever be on a cruise ship because they say cargo. Uh, the worst cargo is ones that talk to you. So... That's one. That's what I would never be on. But I've done on most, uh, most other vessels. I got. I'm curious too. What does a U.S. Merchant Marine deck officer do? Great question. So a Merchant Marine officer. There are two types. There's engineering and there's deck officer. So deck officer are the ones on deck at the bridge. They're generally the ones in charge of cargo operations, navigation primarily, um, safety of the crew of the vessel. Um, and so within the deck spectrum, you start yourself as say a third officer when you're an officer ranking, and then you work your way up to captain. Um, the trajectory generally falls upon the number of sea days that you accumulate over a span of time, which gives you eligibility to test for an upgraded license to then hold the capacity for a ticket for a captain, for example. How did you go from being a captain to a techie? Oh, that it was tough. I'll say it was a very difficult transition to pivot from operations to come just tech side. Uh, a lot of times, um, you know, what happened for me was that I started to get the bug of I'm not sure where this is going. I'm going to be a salty guy in 60 years, just like my old captains were. I want to do something that's a little bit more invigorating. And I took the plunge to just pivot my career. And I got lucky from a buddy of mine that was building a mobile app and it was a dating app. And so I was like, hey, man, let me let me help you because we're both young dudes. We're dating apps. We're using it all the time. And it gave me the bug and it gave me the exposure into the tech industry about coding, about the, um, you know, the hustle. And that led me to develop skill sets and start looking at things in a different manner. And from that point onwards, it opened up a lot of doors for me because I was able to talk to talk, for example. But bringing in my maritime experience operationally, seeing things that are generally out of sight, out of mind, um, you know, helped bring in new knowledge for projects that, um, you know, required maritime knowledge. You ever, uh, you ever meet anyone on that dating app that you were creating? <laughs> on the one we were creating... No, but I did meet my wife on another dating app, and and that that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I did too back in the day. It was it was it was pre Tinder era. It was when it was when the, the world was a little more wholesome of uh, online dating. Because <laughs> we're we're old. For well, sure, I, yeah. I, I gotta ask you. We you know, are. What, 
We like we you know we just we started the show talking about the largest trucking bankruptcy in history. A lot of what fuels that is freight. A lot of that freight comes from overseas. That's why the water is always something very very important to watch. Now Henry got me scared a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, we're not really seeing the cavalry coming on the ocean, and I'm like, I need a second opinion. I think the audience wants a second opinion just in case. So let's look at some marine traffic stuff. What do you, let's show this first chart. What are you seeing on the water here? Yeah, so this chart here, uh, let me just kind of give some background here. Yeah. So this question is, why did ocean freight become so volatile? And this chart comes from the USTSI, the Transportation Index. And I wanted to showcase this because we can see the events that took place to lead us to where we are. So in this first part, and excuse my terrible drawing that I whipped up on the page here. So if we kind of look right past July of 2021, that's where port congestion really started to wreak havoc, especially on the West Coast. And everyone recalls that it impacted everyone from the ports to the trucking to the rails. You know, freight rates were amazing, but it really squeezed a lot of, um, you know, just the, 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 the supply chain. And so this havoc started the ultimate transition that shippers took to say, hey, you know, West Coast is too, too complex. It's too volatile. Let's start looking at the East Coast. So this was the first cusp of that moment. And from that point on, we look at level two, which was somewhere before, uh, about May of 2022. And this is where we started to notice more labor um, constraints. Yeah. So a lot of desirability of the West Coast really took a hit at this point because it takes time for that transition to happen, for businesses to change their, their direction. And at this point, we also see a, saw a huge shift of rates between West Coast containers and then East Coast containers. Yeah, we know so that. But West I mean, Coast we, became. We've, we've yeah. covered this ten zillion kajillion times. What happened? Yeah, what's gonna that. happen? What is yeah. gonna happen, man? What What do we need to look forward to? What's gonna happen? Or what's happening exactly so right now? My, you know, what's interesting is so as of this morning, uh, if you saw on the news, uh, the Canadian ILWU they came up to a new tentative agreement. So that's okay. great news. But the ports have already been in operation, for example. Um, but for the most part, with ocean freight, my projections are that rates would stay generally low, which is going to be a great thing, which is going to help at least consumers down the pipeline. Um, but what I fear is that with capacities in a certain light right now, um, you know, there's there's some big uh, major events that will happen. So in 2025, MSC Maersk, that alliance is going to finally dissolve. So they will be back in a more competitive nature because they don't need to share capacity anymore. Um, with volumes in their funky sense, we're probably going to see more blank, blank salience. We've already started to see it right now. Um, there are new builds that are scheduled to launch in 2024. They are being pushed back and delayed for delivery. And we're probably going to start seeing vessels start to get more, uh, older vessels get scrapped. So when you start to reduce capacity from the carrier side, that may start driving up freight costs. Um, so that's going to be a very interesting thing to take note of in the next few uh, months, I would say. But my biggest thing as of uh, yesterday was we need to keep an eye on the Panama Canal. The Panama Canal is going through some very interesting changes due to the draft restrictions based off of you know climate in the Gutan uh, Lake. Um, we've already been seeing some vessels that you know start off in Colombia and need to go to say Chile, and they're taking the long route. 
around South America. So this is going to increase time, increase cost. Those costs could get passed down to consumers. So the the likelihood of container ships being more full, for example, to transit the canal won't be as um, usual business, I would say. So I, I think that rates will be fine for now, but we should expect to see some increases probably by the end of the year, beginning of next year. Yeah. So those, those, are, those are my predictions. Well, people want to stay on top of this. They want to follow what marine traffic has to offer. They want to look at your great data. Where do I send them to? MarineTraffic.com. Um, definitely go on there. It's a really cool map. It's interactive. It's fun. Download the app. It's totally free. Um, you know, if there's any questions, holler at me. Um, Tim, you do an excellent job sourcing questions, too. Let me know if there's like a big trending topic. Happy to help shed some insight for everybody. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Marine Traffic and get to see a lot of the cool insights that we can uh, provide you. Well, hey, a little cowbell for you and your team. Thank you so much for stopping by. We'll have you on again soon. Take care. Thank you, Tim. Take it easy. All right. Who do you think is going to win here? We had a drone versus truck. What do you think we got? My money's on the truck. It's a bad place to put a drone, too. Expensive drone. Come on over here, Matt. Oh, he's watching the drone. You're going to watch the drone right here, Matt. Well, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, Because I, I have a little time to talk to you. I don't want you to have to sit here for 10 minutes soaked. Unless you want to. Do you want to be no, 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 soaked and then talk or talk? It might be a first, right? It, it might be. A, I, I did this on the last show. And if you guys heard, like, I couldn't speak for, like, the first two seconds or three seconds. It was that supposed cold. to be fun. You're not making it. Uh, you're not. I'm okay. looking forward to it. I was telling everyone here, like, as this yellow stuff is going down, I was watching a Nine Saw movie marathon. So as I'm covering yellow news, I'm watching, like, people getting tortured. It's, there's a lot going on with that. There's, I've been watching you guys follow that story there's, all there's week. A lot, oh a lot. my gosh, there's so much. I need to get in the right headspace. What, what are your thoughts on that, though? Yellow's a big one. You've, you've been in trucking for a long time. What do you think about all that? You know, they're a, they're a competitor, but yeah. I know a lot of, there's some great people over there. And, you know... We're 30,000. There's got to be a few. Well, I know, but in the leadership side yeah. of things, you and I both know some of the same people. Um, you know, I hate that everything today has to have some political component, but the Teamsters and the union and sort of depending on how you come down with that. I don't want to start anything on your show, but sure. it was a um, that was difficult to watch. Like, I thought they would back down and they didn't. So now 30,000 people are not going to have a job. And, and we see that. I mean, we see that across labor. It's not just exclusive to yellow. There's tons of labor disputes going on. And it all especially comes down to the time we're in. It's technology and people mm -hmm. and where those two things fit and where the union thinks they fit. And where some of these companies need to be, or these ports, when you're talking about like the ILWU, I, I didn't know it was 700 million on the on the loan during COVID. Oh yeah, I had no idea that number was that high. They they paid back like two, like they paid back 280 dollars of the loan. Craig thought that was like that there was no mm. way that could even be that. So I think like when he tweeted, he put like 2,800 or like 28 or or, or 2.8 million thousand or something. 280 million. Yes, <laughs> but it was 280 dollars. Wow. Total. Paid back, but they're in a lot of trouble. A lot of people have to figure it out. And um, it's sad, but I got to ask you, what kills innovation in trucking? You know, listen, I, regulatory has its, has its role in life, right? I mean, it, 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 there, there's a lot of great things that come out of it. But over-regulation, in fact, Joe Lonsdale wrote this really great piece in the Wall Street Journal this morning. You know, he's one of the managing partners at ABC. They have funded everything from Project 44 on this crazy bill that like Elizabeth Warren and I forget the other guy that's putting out to basically regulate tech 
in a way that's never been done before. Yeah. And so I just think that regulation is killing innovation. Everybody should go and read that. It's in the Wall Street Journal. I posted on LinkedIn earlier today. That's what's killing innovation is over-regulation. You know, I have this chart right here from Visual Capitalist, oh. and it's tracking U.S. electrification I right here. That. Yeah, it's yeah, a great that, chart. That's where I took it from because I knew you could, you could speak to this a little bit. But what's really interesting, when you look at the transportation sector, obviously the hardest one here and the most difficult to electrify. How do you, when you look at this as, as VP of sustainability over at Covenant, what, what's your takeaway? So Elon Musk just spent a bunch of time with the PG&E folks, right? Pacific Gas and Electric. Yeah. And said that um, we're going to have to have eight times the amount of electricity in the next 10 years by, than what we're doing today. Eight times. And what are power companies doing to create that? So you can have the grid, you can have chargers, but if you don't have anything to fill it with, then we're in trouble. So I wonder, you know, I, I wonder... I just don't see how we're going to be able to improve on that number much more than what we are today. And again, regulators are asking us to double, triple it. Are, are the numbers they're putting out there based on anything? Like there was one yesterday that's U.S. is proposing all cars have to get 58 miles per gallon or more by 2032. I think they're throwing darts. I don't think anybody's actually having sort of engineers and people that actually are making trucks. I mean, this is part of what the Clean Freight co uh, the clean freight Coalition is sort of after, you know, with all this craziness that CARB is doing. They just want to know, where, did you all just make up these numbers? Yeah. Or is there actually something behind it? So... You just got back from a great trip, too, didn't you? Where I did, you? yeah. My wife and I went and hiked 55 miles over in um, Switzerland, um, 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 Italy, and France. It's called the Tour de Mont Blanc. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. We had a great time. Does your logistic experience come in handy when planning these hikes out? I can tell you this. <laughs> the trucks over there are yeah. so cool. The Scania's, how do you say it? Scania? Scania? Sc I think Scania. I don't and know. My they, American and easy. They Scania. look like robo, you know, they look like, what is it? Um, uh, Transformers. Like, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, like There's right one here, around here. Got one right here. Yeah, right, the, the, the cab over. Yeah, they are so cool looking over there. It's funny. We we showed off. There was this Scania driver, and you're showing off a Scania XL, and you think it's going to be this big because a lot of these are like little day cab size. Yeah. And his Scania XL was like, there's like this really little bed, and there's there's just not that much room you can do no. these uh, cab over things. No, there's not. But you you know the reason one of the reasons why they don't have to worry about aerodynamics over there so they can't go faster than about 60 miles an hour i mean audubon is one thing but you know so aerodynamics just don't matter in the design so you know those things are a lot smaller the roads are smaller you know the footprint is smaller on the road so but they're cool looking they're really cool looking now, now that you're back from this hike what what is like in terms of sustainability in the context of covenant what's fall going to be about what do you have to accomplish um you know um so what's on my short list right now yeah. is we're working on our Ecoveta survey you know most of you if you're a carrier out there your shippers are asking you to complete these Ecoveta surveys which is basically a sustainability goodness number score right they want you to be at least 49 or 50 or higher and so we've got so to update that those things right now Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think everybody out there listening, if you're a shipper, then you're requiring it of carriers. If you're a carrier, you sort of know what, because they're, they're hard to answer and they take a lot of work. So I'm spending the next month kind of really trying to work on that. And then, um, you know, what else? Uh, promoting freight waste, future freight. <laughs> yeah, of course. Got to do that. Yeah. And um, uh, innovation wise, you know, we're still trying to figure out CARB and still trying to figure out what to make of this new decision that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And you know, the OEMs, I don't know. We're, we're still trying to form an opinion on it. Yeah. Are the EV companies figuring out a little better how to... Well, Nikola just sold some trucks to J.B. Hunt. I saw that. Yeah, I like 10, that. 15 trucks. I sent Craig uh, Har um, 
um, Craig Harper a note this morning and said, congratulations. Aren't they one of the few that you could go to now and expect something deliverable in tomorrow? Relatively, yeah. yeah, in yeah. A relatively I, I think they can pretty, time. yeah, exactly. I think they're going to make it. I, I've been a fan of them for a long time. Um, I know some, they've got a lot of pilots going on right now. Um, yeah. yeah, I like them. D- Daimler and them, they both have strong products. I'm hard. I'm like hard on them, so like they half hate me, but I cover them a, a lot. Um, I think they're going to surprise us all. And, you know, yeah. I'm all about underdog. I mean, why wouldn't you want them to be successful, right? I mean. Well, sure. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's an American company. It's, it's trying to build. They've had to go through pivots. Every startup, every company that oh, you yeah. follow has had to go through pivots. They had to get that Trevor Milton thing behind them. And I think it is. And they've got a strong leadership team, so we're excited about it. Did you see that new EV container ship that they just mentioned that can carry 700 TEUs? All batteries. No. It has batteries the size of shipping containers on that thing, and they're modular. So what they plan to do, because they don't, they didn't list the range, as you know, on the trucking stuff. A lot yeah, of yeah. times, very hard to get number, price, and range at first out of a lot of companies. Uh, they don't give the range. They're like, oh, you can pick up new battery packs at the port. Okay, what port can I make it to? You, I, you, no, you know, no. that's interesting. So on the last day of our trip, yeah. uh, we were in Amsterdam, and my wife wanted to do those little barge sort of canal things those things are electric those little things that they move you around in something kind of creepy about being in water sitting on a giant battery pack yeah you know moving down the river Hard i don't know it's i'm sure it works but well that's when this story came out i shared it in my network and a lot of the uh the the longshoremen and the sea guys mm-hmm. that that follow me they were like I don't know how comfortable I would be standing on lithium-ion batteries in the middle of the ocean. They're, they're hard enough to put out on land, let alone let alone in the middle of the ocean. I know. Uh, hey, you remember you talked about bringing in the next generation? I did. He's gonna, my son. Is he going to dump the bucket on your head? You know, I think he wants to. Okay, so as you guys remember, on Friday, if you missed the show, um, Paul Jaroslawski from Freight Caviar, he had he was bringing back the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. He challenged Reed Lucelot. Reed Lucelot challenged me. I got the water dumped on my head, and I challenged him. So let's move on over there. We got a yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, so they have raised $115 million yes. through this initiative since 2014. You know, someone posted under my yeah. comment. They're like, I don't need to know about it. I'm already aware. And it's like, this. it's not for you. I know, I know, and, and I've been thinking hard about who to challenge. I, I, I can tell you this, I'll give yes. you a hint. I can tell you who it's not. Okay. I called our bib buddy, Jet, this morning. Yeah. He is doing so much travel in yeah. the next two weeks. He's like, I don't even have time to be talking to my newborn son and yes. my wife, and especially to you, Matt, right now. He says, please let me know what I can do to help, yeah. but please don't call me out right now. Yes. So we're gonna come after him later. Okay, well. But for now, it's somebody different. Okay, so let's get over yeah, here. Yeah. All right, Walker, come on. Walker, actually, I'll let you come on this side. Walker. Walker, Walker, my 17-year-old son, about to start a senior in high school, learning about logistics. He's a big boy. Yeah, yeah. He's a big boy. So how does this work? Do I do the call out before, after, during? Yeah, it's an ALS ice bucket challenge. You dump it, and then you have to be cold and wet to do the call out. Uh, Cold and wet, so I can't do it just yet. Not yet. All right. (laughs) Walker. Ice. My phone in my pocket. Oh my gosh, it has been sitting in the water for the entire show. I didn't put any salt in it. Oh, I don't right. watch those Saw movies. I want to torture people. Um, Ryan Rogers over at Tex Locate. Yeah. Oh, calling you out right here. We gotta keep it local, right? We here. can. So Ryan Rogers, you're next. Ryan Rogers in this pool. In the pool. You're next. Thank you for joining us on What the Truck. Matt, thank you so much for coming by. Thank Walker, thanks for coming by. Walker, thank you for being our, our bucket assistant. Find the show wherever you get podcasts. Find me on Twitter, at Tony Junior. Find the show at FW What the Truck. Take care. Don't be a stranger.